Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. Today we're kind of kicking off into a more, it's not really a new series, more than a series. Today we, we're kicking off into a new season for our church. And I believe it's a season of building. And I want to read something this morning from, uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 14. And this is kind of, uh, I, I would say this, this story is probably one of the most epic stories in the Old Testament. It's wildly romantic. It's, it's, it's wildly crazy. It's, I actually feel, and, and this kind of will, will reveal, I, I actually believe that all movies, you know, like good movies, good movies are inspired from Scripture. That's good movies, not the bad ones, not the B-grade ones, not Sharknado or anything like that. I'm talking about good movies because there's nothing new under the sun, right? We know that. So all, you know, those action movies, they're all inspired by, by Scripture. And, and this particular passage, I feel, had to be the inspiration for, for Bad Boys. Anybody seen Bad Boys? This is where they got it from right here. It says this in... In 1 Samuel chapter 14, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gabeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men were a whole bunch of people, I can't pronounce their name. And no one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had, go, uh, had to go down between two rocky cliffs. That one was called Bozes and the other Senna. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash and uh, the one on the south was in front of Geba. Uh, Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps, I love that, perhaps the Lord will help us for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is. I love, I love Jonathan's revelation there. Jonathan had this revelation. You know, it doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter if he's got a whole army, if he's got two people. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your bank balance says. Come on. It does not matter to God. God is more than able. Whether with a big bank balance or a small bank balance. Come on. With good health, with poor health. I'm telling you, the glory of God can shine through your life. It doesn't matter to God. He is able. Do you believe it this morning, church? Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, Jonathan told him, we will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. Good idea. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them, they uh, saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted, Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Now they're just talking trash. So they climbed up using both their hands and feet and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. Uh, Sorry, uh, I messed that up. And his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. 
They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Come on, don't you just love the way God works? God, we, we acknowledge that you are here this morning. Holy Spirit, we recognize you're here, your presence, your power. Lord, I pray that this morning would be more than just a good time together. Lord, it would be an encounter with and a revelation of your, your plan for our life. Lord, that we would encounter your presence in a new way. Lord, I pray that you would infuse in us fresh revelation today. Lord, that will cause us, will be the catalyst in our life to to stretch us, but Lord, to call us on knowing that you have big plans for each one of us. God, we praise you this morning. We acknowledge you in everything. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give him some praise, church. Fantastic. Why don't you give someone a, a quick hug and a kiss if you feel so led before you take your seat this morning. Hey, I've entitled this message this morning, Reckless Romance. Reckless Romance. That's just for all the girls because we're talking about like bad boys and all that sort of thing. But I thought I'd include you. And you know what? I'm, I'm excited about this series called Vision Builders. And this whole month, in fact, is, is Vision Month for us as a church. Can we maybe just get a little bit of light in here? I can't see anyone. And you look too pretty to not see. And uh, this month, Vision, there we go, Vision Month it's going to be a phenomenal month. We're over this, uh, this, this month, we're going to be preaching, teaching, talking about vision. And uh, it's going to culminate on the last Sunday this month, on the 27th, where we are going to have Vision Sunday. And it is going to be a celebration day in the house. We're going to be celebrating the vision that God has, has kind of revealed to us, that His plans for this church. So we're going to be celebrating that. We're going to have an opportunity on that Sunday for, for you to partner with the vision financially. So you can say, I, I'm going to be a vision builder. I'm going to be a part of building this vision. Not just cheer and shout, but I'm going to actually you know, invest into the vision of this house. How many people know that's a good thing? Don't go quiet on me when I talk about money, all right? Don't do that. Makes you look guilty. So, so we're going to be doing that. But also on that Sunday, we are going to be recording at night. We're going to be having a live worship album recording that Sunday night. Where, you know, our team have been real busy. They've been writing songs. And we've got some phenomenal worship coming out of this house. And you know what? Pastor Kira said it beautifully this morning. You know, when we do something as a church, we do it together. I would like to believe that on the, when we launch our women's uh, event, that it's not just all the ladies turning up, but we actually have some men that would volunteer to serve the women. I'm not just talking to single guys either. <laughs> women's event, I'm there. You know, they're like, no, no, I'm talking about just some men would just be willing to go and serve that would, you know, be in the car park, that would lift all the heavy stuff and that we would just go and make it easy for the women because we do it together as a church, Right. It's the same with our album recording. This is just because you might not be able to play music or sing doesn't mean you're not a part of the album recording. Because you can, you can celebrate, you can cheer, you could probably set an atmosphere better than anyone. And we need you in that place on Sunday night, the 27th. So I need you to, to understand that when we do something together, we do it as a church. But this month, we are, we are really setting aside this month to build around the vision of the house and and really the direction that God has, is calling us. And I feel like I've got to, I've got to preface it with this. that And our catch cry, have we got the image? Can we put the image up there for vision builders? I feel like you know, I need to reveal that the catch cry is not for the faint-hearted. 
Now, that is not there to exclude people. If you feel like you're a faint-hearted person, that's, that's not there to say, well, you can't be a part of the vision. Really, it's kind of there because we understand that when the, when the vision of God, when, when you receive a vision of God, more, more often than not, you know it's from God when you know it's too big for you to do on your own. That if, that if it's from God, you, you need God to get involved to make it happen. And so when God revealed this, this vision to us for, for the direction that he is, is taking this church, we knew that it was a part of God's plan because we were kind of like freaked out a little bit. And I, and I feel like this morning I want to spend some time, and at the risk of sounding corny, I, I want to take us from being faint-hearted to faith-hearted this morning. Is that too corny for you, church? I was laboring over that line. Appreciate that. But I feel like, you know what, if, if we're going to talk about vision this month, we need to get vision ready. Sometimes we need to get ourselves into a place when God speaks something. If, if we're not ready to receive it, we get intimidated. But I'm telling you, the vision from God is not there to intimidate, it's there to inspire. Sometimes God wants to, to build a, a faith on the inside of us. God wants to build like this audacious faith, almost like a reckless faith, where we're willing as a church to get uncomfortable for Him, where we're willing to, to step out of our comfort zone, to, to go into a place where we're kind of maybe doing, being a little bit reckless, maybe we're being a little bit obnoxious, maybe we're kind of offending some people, but you know what, we've got a, we've got a desire that our time here is, is going to be used for something incredible for Him. Are you here? So I feel like we need to spend this month, this couple of weeks that we've got together over this month in preparation for Vision Sunday, just to get faith-hearted. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this morning. I want you to, uh, I want you to take um, some notes today, okay? I don't want you just to kind of sit there and listen. I want you to take notes. I want you to interact because how many people know that, that you could get an upgrade in heaven if you take notes? You don't. Um, you may. But here's the thing. The reason I want you to take notes is, is because sometimes, you know, when you take notes, you can, you can kind of read over this stuff a little bit later. And it's not so much that I want to teach vision today, because I don't feel vision is, is taught as much as vision is caught. And I want you to catch something in your spirit. And sometimes when you, when you catch something, it's because you've meditated over it. You know, when, you, when you've kind of, you've pondered over it and you've soaked in it. And sometimes, you know, you can go back over your notes and, and you'll get revelation about something a little bit later than you did in the moment. So I want you to take notes. And, and as we do that, I want to jump into our first point this morning. Point, point number one, to, or the first characteristic of audacious faith is risk. Faith has risk. I want to look at this story in, in 1 Samuel and, and kind of draw out some, some characteristics of audacious faith that are going to get us in the faith zone this morning. And, and here we have a, a story of, of Jonathan and, and his, his, his armor bearer. And ultimately, what I love about this story is this story is a contrast between Jonathan and his father, King Saul. And you've got, you've got the contrast because on one hand, you've got Saul with his, his, fearless, uh, sorry, his, his fearful disobedience. And then on the other side, you've got Jonathan with his, his fear, fearless faith. You've got one person who's fearful and one person who's fearless. 
Sometimes I feel like there, there is two positions in life that we can take. We can, we can be fearful, which, which kind of causes us to be disobedient because God has got a big vision for our life. God has got a big call on us to, to do something, a big plan. And you know what? I cannot subscribe to the idea that God has good plans for some and average plans for others. I just can't believe and that for me it's not consistent with God's character that, that he might have some audacious, bigger than yourself plans for some people, but, but for other people he's got just an average mediocre plan for your life. And here we've got this position sometimes in life that this fearful position causes you to, to be actually in disobedience to God because you're not stepping out and believing that the plan he has for your life is, is actually going to require some faith. But then on the other hand, just maybe some... Some fearlessness, some trust that, come on, God, if, if you've got the plan for my life, surely you're going to equip me with what I need to, to fulfill that plan. Then that puts you very, very, like smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. And so here we've got this contrast. You've got Saul with his 600 men. And they're pretty much hiding out in caves. They're, they're hiding out under, under trees and just kind of buying time. And then you've got Jonathan who's who's pretty much just, just irritated by the fact that he has this understanding that, you know what, he's called of God. Come on, they're the, they're, the, they're the nation, they're God's chosen nation, but yet why are we hiding? And it says here in verse 1, One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. The, the, the kind of the connotation or the, the attitude that he's speaking this with is almost one of frustration. He's frustrated with his dad's lack of action. He's frustrated that they're hiding in caves. In, this, in the previous chapter, it actually reveals that the, out of all of the Israelite nation, there was only two swords. Because they were under the rule of the, the Philistines, the, the Philistines would only let them, uh, they'd have to pay big money to sharpen their farming tools, their plowshares and their axes. So there was only two swords in all of the, the Israelite nation. And Saul had one and Jonathan had the other. And so here's Jonathan thinking, man, all I've, I've got a sword. Let's do something here. And he's a bit frustrated at the fact that we're not doing anything as a, as a nation. And so he says this, and he, and he says this, this amazing statement to, to his armor bearer. Hey, how about we just, how about we go and check it out? And I love that kind of idea that this wasn't right here is not the big, bold speech to, to sell it to his armor bearer. He's like, hey, why don't we just, I'm a little bit frustrated. I'm a little bit discontent with the current action. Why don't we go and check out the outpost? And so him and his armor bearer, they, they head out and they, what I love about this is their frustration actually produces in them a willingness to take a huge risk. I'm not, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes in life you can get a little bit frustrated with the lack of action in your life that will cause you just enough faith to take a risk. How many people know that before? They've recognized that in your life. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, just, just everyday frustration, like, you know, your DMV kind of frustration. I'm, I'm talking about, like, being so frustrated with the current situation that it will, it will drive you to do stupid things. I can remember, for me, one, one time when I was trying to impress Kira. This is like, you know, those, those times, guys, when you're invisible to your wife, to be? And I can remember when I was, I was trying to pursue Kira, but I just felt invisible. I'm like, man, when is she going to know? I'm dancing around. I'm, I'm saying funny stuff all the time and not even getting any reactions. And I can remember this one time we were actually hanging out 
at the at the beach. A whole group of us were hanging out at the beach, and it was getting it was getting late, getting dark. And we across from the beach that we used to hang out from was this uh, hotel, and it had a big wedding reception venue uh, right looking over the beach. And we were just all hanging around, standing, talking, and we noticed that as we looked into the wedding reception that. The dancing was going on, but there was only girls dancing. It was only the bride, her bridesmaids, and, and some, of the, some of the girls that were dancing, all the guys were sitting off to the side. And I thought, this is a crime, because I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I've never been to a, to a wedding where the guys aren't dancing. And that's predominantly because I'm at that wedding. <laughs> if there is dancing, I'm there. I, I'm telling you, I'm that guy. I'm that guy at the wedding that I'll have the tie around my head, and I will be, I'll be busting a move, because there's not many places you get to dance these days. And so I thought, man, this is, this is a crime, this is ridiculous. And, and Kira was highly offended that, man, imagine being in a wedding where there was no guys dancing. And I thought, man, this is my moment. I'm going to get noticed right now. And I was like so frustrated with the fact that she wasn't noticing me. I, I did this bold move. I said to my buddy, hey, man, let's, let's go in. We had sand on our feet, our, our pant, trousers were rolled up, and we're like, man, let's just go in. And we went in, and we walked out just as they were watching. We, did we tell you? that we? No, you were just like watching, and then all of a sudden, like, what is Adam doing in there? No, I did tell you. That's right. I said, hey, check this out. And you're like, okay. I'm like, no, keep your eyes on me. <laughs> I'm like, I remember going in, and we started, we just, I walked straight up to the bride. And I'm like, come on, we started dancing around. And I serious, it was, for 25 seconds. We were dancing with, the, with all the, the, the ladies in this wedding until we got escorted out by the father of the bride. But it was awesome because afterwards, Kira was just like, she noticed me from that moment. She noticed me. and It was good for the, for the wedding party too because they had guys dancing all of a sudden. I think they just felt so bad that we had to come in and get it going. But we got the party started. Anyway, but I remember like from that moment, and it was that frustration. That's not me. I'm telling you, I'm not that risky guy. But it's crazy when you're frustrated what frustration will produce. Sometimes God wants us to move to a place of, use that frustration to purge us to a place of risk. When just maybe we would dare to believe that, it, that, that if, we, if we step out and we risk something for God, that if we use this current place of being frustrated that I'm, that I'm not fulfilling the call of God for my life, or maybe I'm just not seeing the, 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 the promises of God over my life, or just maybe I, I could be frustrated enough that my, that my colleagues don't know Jesus yet. Just maybe I could get frustrated enough that my boss doesn't know Jesus yet. Just maybe I could get frustrated enough that my, that my college, that, that my fellow students don't know Jesus yet, enough that I would take a risk to do something crazy and courageous for Jesus. God will use frustration. God will use your, your lack of action, that, that frustration, understanding that what He has called you to do as He reveals the, a vision for your life, he will, he will contrast that vision with a little bit of frustration from where you currently are. That will cause you to take some risk. I'm telling you, God has got a big vision for your life. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, God's got a big vision for you. I feel God wants us to get a little risky as a church. Not risque, risky. <laughs> I knew what Sterling was thinking right then. We could play it safe as a church. We, we could play it safe. We could, we could look at the, the swords that we don't have, which kind of rep, could represent finances or it could represent resources. We could look at the lack. We could, we could play it safe as a church. 
We could look around and go, well, man, what could God do with 200 people? What, what is it that God could do significantly in the Silicon Valley with such a, a small number of people? We could, we could play it safe. We could be that hide-in-the-caves kind of church. Or we could be that church that takes risks. I don't know about you, but I want to be a risk-taking church. I want to be a church that we... We get a little bit uncomfortable. We get a little bit frustrated at the fact that there are people in our lives that aren't yet in the kingdom of God. That we might have family members that just aren't yet experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus has for them. Can we be that church? Just maybe we can get a little frustrated enough to allow that frustration to birth in us a faith where we would take a bold risk. And you know what I believe? I believe that faith-filled human initiative can serve as an entrance point for God's saving action. Faith-filled human initiative. That means initiative on our part. When we step out in faith, when we do something for God, when we get a little bit of boldness on the inside of us, it's that faith-filled human initiative that is the very activator for God's saving grace into our world into people's lives, into the, into the colleagues that we work with. The story goes on. It says, No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Senna. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. I, I don't have time to go into this, but literally they had to go down between these rocky outcrops that at times caused you had to get down on your hands and knees to, to, to get through. And, and really kind of what this indicates is sometimes you have to go through a little bit of uncomfortability before you have breakthrough. Uh, so sometimes we need to get a little bit of uncomfortable for God. It, it goes on to say, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Point number one was faith has risk. Second characteristic of audacious faith is faith has a reason. Jonathan's reasoning was not in his military might, but it was in God's uncanny ability to win a battle with many or with few. You need to know this, that whatever situation you're facing, the odds are already stacked in your favor because God is with you. I love that. Perhaps the Lord will help us. This, this impression, this, this expression didn't, didn't imply doubt. Jonathan wasn't doubtful. It wasn't a doubtful perhaps. Really what this perhaps kind of signified is that the victory was not going to come from, from their strength, but it was going to come from God working on their behalf. You know, we were, we were told when, that you cannot start a church with nobody. And you know what our, our, our position was? Uh, not really any faith in our ability to kind of launch a church in, in a city that we'd never been to ever before in our life. But we just said perhaps God could. And, and I love that we get into a zone as a church where we have an understanding that yeah, we might have a real understanding of our limitations. We might have a real understanding of our inability. But we have a clear understanding of God's ability. And just perhaps that if we could step out in faith, that that faith could be the initiator of God's ability. That it could be the initiator of God's favor. That, that perhaps God will be glorified through this. And I, I just know that God is able God is, God is able with few or with many. I, 
we used to play, um, I used to play in a soccer league. It was a, it was a Christian churches, like, uh, federation soccer uh, tournament where all these churches would, would put in, submit a soccer team, and I played on our church's soccer team, and it was it was it was fun. It was a little bit rougher than uh, non-Christian soccer leagues. I, I don't know why there was worse language. It was crazy. It was like, man, you get Christians fighting is nuts. And uh, I can remember that that it was it was pretty casual too. There'd be so many times we'd turn up, and instead of having eleven men, we'd have seven. And I knew that that day we we're going to work hard. But it was fascinating to me that even when we had fewer guys on the on the team, man, we would win. Not only would we win, we would play better than we would when we had 11 men. And it's, and it's kind of crazy to, to think that, that our skill level had to increase. You might be thinking, man, sometimes I, I don't have the resources. We don't have the manpower to fulfill the plan of God or the vision of God for this church. But, but I know that, that, that when we, what we lack in manpower or we lack in significant numbers, just maybe God can, in all His grace and favor, increase our skill level. That God can increase the, the giftings on you. That God can cause you to, to, to grow in your faith. That God can cause you to, to fill the gaps that, that might be in the seats next to you. But God can cause that to be the very catalyst to, to influence people. To inspire one another. That you inspire one another to shoulder up and say, hey, come on, let's step up. We might be short some men, but you know what? We can still win. We can still win the battle. We can still achieve the prize. God can win with... With many or with few. Point number three, the third characteristic of audacious faith is faith has a response. Faith has a risk, faith has a reason, and faith has a response. It says this, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. The NIV version, I love it, says, Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Audacious faith responds with, I'm all in. I'm all in. In the original Hebrew, this, this statement is translated, As your heart is with you, I am with you also. What, what Jonathan's armor bearer was saying, just as you cannot remove your heart, from your body, you will not remove me from this mission. And, and I love that response of faith. That, that the response is, man, if, if God's in it, I'm in it. And sometimes God's giving us a call, but we, but we respond with, well, I, I'll see how it goes. But, but that's, the very indicated, that's the very thing that will, that will cause you to miss out on God's plan. The, the very response needs to be, God, I am in, heart and soul. I... Uh, I feel like this is one of those powerful verses that we can, we can really miss the emphasis on. And there is, there is more than just me consensus here. Sometimes we can have consensus when we, when we kind of, uh, as a church, when we talk about vision and we talk about, in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about vision. And, and we could have a consensus. We could say, yeah, it's a good idea. We'll, we'll have agreement. But consensus is never good, as good as unity. Unity is different from consensus. Unity is heart and soul. Unity is, I, I'm a part of this, that I'm invested. Unity goes beyond just an agreement and, I, and I'll try it out because consensus can kind of be flaky, whereas unity is wholehearted agreement. Unity is, I, I'm in. In other words, I'm not joining your mission, this is my mission. There's a difference. 
You can, you can have a consensus to be a part of a program. You, you, can, you, can, you can join into something and then it's somebody else's program. That's why I say, I, I don't like it when people say, hey, do, I can help out at church. There's no help. We don't need help. What we need is people to serve the kingdom of God. We need people to get the mission of the house as their personal mission. That the vision of the house is my vision. That I'm not about helping out. It's not a consensus. It's unity. This very mission and this vision that God is revealing for this house is going to be my mission and my vision for my life. That as I serve that, that God is going to expand my dreams. It talks about a togetherness. That's what unity is. And, and I love this because as they went up, they, they literally moved as one. They, 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 they kind of went together and Jonathan would go ahead and, and he, would, he would slay them. And then uh, the armor bearer would, would, would from, take down the guys that would attack from behind them and he would take them down. And, and there was a togetherness and a unity where they, the armor bearer wasn't helping Jonathan's mission. That was his mission. His life was on the line too. Sometimes we need to get our life on the line. We need to get some skin in the game. We need to get ourselves on the mission field and say, come on, I'm a part of this. I'm going to own this. I'm going to own the vision of God that God has for this church. Consider it my vision. I'm heart and soul. And the armor bearer secured them from behind. I, we were, we were watching a, I was watching a movie just recently with um, Kira and, and Carly. And uh, I can't remember the movie, but there was this, it was at the end of the movie, there was this situation where they were locked down. And they had to, the only way to escape was to kind of go out all guns blazing. And I love those movies, you know, the, the climactic moment where they're at the, 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 the moment they're going to bust through the doors. And, and, and we're talking about it afterwards because they go out and they actually got killed in this one. But anyway, it was inspired by scripture. It wasn't scripture. Okay. But I, it, was, it was fascinating because we're talking about it afterwards and... And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, we would just, I would, that would have been me. If we're going out, we're going out blazing. And then, and, and Carly's response was, no, I would have just given up and died. <laughs> but that is so you, Carly. She was just like, ah, I'm done, I'm, I'm dying. Boom, shoot herself. <laughs> but Kira's response was the funniest. Kira's response <laughs> was, you know what? I would have, I would have, I would have, what did she say? I would have uh, done my time. You would have surrendered, done your time, gone to prison, rehabilitated yourself, <laughs> and helped serve the community in a better way. Personalities. It's like, you know what God's looking for? Watch how I. What God is looking for is this heart and soul. Hey, we're in this. I'm going for this. It doesn't matter what it costs me. If my life's on the line, I'm in. I'm all in. Getting that audacious, that reckless kind of faith. That it could be so reckless that, you know what, my, it's reckless because my life's going to look different. It's reckless because it's not going to be comfortable anymore. But, I, but on the other side of that reckless faith is incredible breakthrough, not just for your life, but for, for many lives. You know, when we... Uh, you know, faith is risky, and we've we've taken some faith steps. And I'm gonna I'm gonna close just in a moment. But we, when we launched out to to come here to take the the faith step to move uh, countries and to to really kind of step out for God, not knowing anybody, there was this moment where I we kind of we'd sold everything, we'd packed up the family, and we're sitting on the plane, and we're a couple of hours into the 
to the plane flight, and I can remember we had a, we had the whole row, and we had our three girls and and Kira, and I can remember looking across, and they're all asleep, fast asleep, and then I had this moment where it was like a, it was like this reality moment where I just had this sinking feeling, like what have I done? Seriously, I was like, what have I done? I, I've just I've just sold everything. Back home, I, I don't have a place there, and I'm going to a place where I had like 10 days accommodation booked, and that's it. And I had this moment like, man, I've just made a decision that just doesn't involve my life. I'm putting, I'm putting four other lives kind of on the line here. And it was a really, it was, it was like a fear moment. And I, I thought to myself, if I just risked it all, I, if I just... Have I done something stupid? I remember Kira woke up and she could see I was kind of focused and I was actually writing a blog about it at the time. And Kira reminded me that, hey, she's in this too. That just as much as it was your decision, it was her decision. And she reminded me, didn't we, didn't we talk to our kids about it? And I said, well, yeah, we did. And she said, what did they say? And I said, well, they said they're all in. I said, but that's because we, they, their idea of America was Disneyland. That's why they were all in. <laughs> she said, regardless, they, they said they're all in, right? I said, yeah. She goes, come on, this is not just your risky move. This is our risky move. And God is able, when we begin to activate faith, now, now it's easy. We, we're looking back on it now and going, man, it was a smart move. But in the moment, you don't know that. Often faith steps are glorified. Often faith steps are, are painted as this glorious adventure, like it's just full of confidence. But in the moment, it looks a lot different. We've been talking about the, the vision of this house, but what about in your life right now? Maybe there's some areas that God's wanting you to take some faith steps, but it doesn't feel glorious right now because it's full of fear, full of intimidation. But the truth is, what we were reminded of as we sat on that plane and were daunted at the risk, it's crazy how before that we weren't so daunted because we were in a place of frustration. We're in this place of frustration because we knew that God was calling us to something bigger than what we were doing. That, and we were in ministry, and it, was, it was going great, but it was, we, just, we knew that when God put a vision on the inside of you, that, that when you're not living that vision, that it's kind of a frustrating place. And frustration will purge you to a place of risk, but it's in that moment of risk where faith doesn't look so glorious. That's the moment where you choose, am I going to be fearful or am I going to be fearless? knowing that God is with us. And I've got to remind you what Hebrews 11.6 says. Hebrews 11.6 has some of the strongest language in, re- in regards to our relationship with God. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. This is tough language. That's saying without faith, it's, 
It's useless. Don't even try. Because it requires that faith element to our life. That if we're going to do anything, and, 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 and what I know about Jesus, as you, as you read the, the gospel, you, you begin to see that, that, man, whenever Jesus commended anyone, it wasn't because of their good looks, it wasn't because of their charisma, it was because of their faith. It's like, no, such greater faith have I seen in, in all of Jerusalem. No, man, it's the faith. Your faith has made you well. There needs to be a faith on the inside of us to know that, come on, I, I'm not going to be settled to live this frustrated life. Now let this frustration produce in me a faith that will dare to believe that as I take this risk, that I'm actually living the life that's pleasing God. That as I, as I risk everything, as I, as I step out of my comfort zone, I'm, I'm going to be in a place where God is going to be pleased because finally I'm getting on board with what His plans are. Perhaps God will help us. Perhaps God will, will be there when we step out, that God will make the path before us. You don't see the path until you step out, but perhaps as we step, God will make the path. That's what faith is. And I feel like what God is building in this season in us as a church is He wants to take us to a a place of this audacious and reckless faith where we're not going to be that church where we're comfortable with church attendance. That's, that's not the be-all and end-all of our relationship with God. Well, we've got an invitation on the inside of us where we understand that we're, whatever we do, we do it on mission, that our lives are going to exist for a greater mission, for a greater purpose, that whatever platform you've got right now, that's the very mission field that God has set before you, that if you are willing to take a risk for Him, where you're willing to step out of that comfort zone, then that's the very moment that God meets you. Because in this story, it goes on and it says this, that as they killed the Philistine outpost, some 20 men over about an acre, it's a great feat. But that very act, that very Faith-filled human risk caused a fear to go throughout the whole Israelite army. Recorded there was, there was more chariots and soldiers than the sand on the shore and two men. God can win with many or with few and two guys with that risk. Coupled and... People say, that, like, we're talking this as a team, like, how, how is it that we're going to see the vision of this house fulfilled, such a great vision in the Silicon Valley, which at times could be quite a daunting region? And our response is always this, faith and the move of God. It's going to require a move of God. But I know that the first is the activator of a second. Because they stepped out in faith and they saw 20, they killed 20 men. It sent a shockwave through the Philistines and right at that moment, as if by coincidence, an earthquake happens. Just to drive home, that come on, God is on their side. That when you begin to step out for God, 
God will move on your behalf. You don't have to convince God. God is already willing, I'm telling you. God is already willing more than you. God desires to see your workplace turn around for Jesus. God is, God's desire for your life is to experience the fullness of life in Him more than you want to see it. But God also wants us to be the ones that activate faith. Sometimes human initiative, just taking a risk, is the very catalyst to seeing God move in your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SV, please visit www.c3sv.